0: Well, welcome to another episode of the NUMA Worship Podcast. My name is Joel, and once again, I'm joined by Marie.
1: We're really glad that you guys have joined us today to talk about prophetic worship, how we can get practical growing in it, and why it's actually a really integral part of our devotion. And worship as singers, as leaders, as musicians, artists, dancers, all of those things. Um, so we hope that this is a help and an encouragement to you if you're developing in this area or growing in it. We would love to hear from you. So feel free to email us at worship at and let us know what you're getting out of all of this.
0: So good. And so this is obviously a quite a hotly discussed topic in worship teams, particularly of late. And so we thought this would be a valuable conversation to have. It's a conversation that we've had internally in our team at NUMA, so we thought we'd open this conversation out to the wider body as well and just share some things that we've learned. We're by no means experts in this or we've not arrived, Uh, not that there's a destination to arrive to per se, but we just thought we'd bring you into the journey and share some things that we've learned along the way. So like Marie said, hopefully this is helpful to you. If you've got any comments, any questions, then do get in touch. Follow us on Instagram or drop a comment in whatever platform you're listening to this. And uh, let us know your thoughts, your questions, and what you'd like us to discuss even in future episodes as well. So prophetic worship. We're going to start by looking at prophetic worship in Scripture God's Word is our foundation. That's one of our kingdom values at NUMA. And so we want to make sure that before we talk about any of our thoughts that we're rooted and grounded in Scripture. And so prophetic worship is found in the Bible. There's a strong link between prophecy, instrumentation, and worship. We find this both in the Old and New Testaments. And I'll just give you a couple of examples to begin with, but you can find some more as well in your own reading and study. One we find in 1 Samuel chapter 10, this is the story of King Saul when he is being anointed to become king. You can look that up in 1 Samuel 10 verse 5. The Spirit of God came upon Saul when he encountered these procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres and, and tambourines and flutes and harps and playing these instruments and they were prophesying. And God chose that moment to anoint him for his calling as king. Going on from there, obviously, we find King David would play his harp, and that would cause King Saul to be set free from a terrorizing spirit. We read of that story in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 23. When he was king, David formally instituted prophecy to musical accompaniment, along with praise and worship in the tabernacle of David. We read of that in 1st Chronicles 25 and verse 1. Not only that, of course, the Psalms, uh, not just those written by David, are prophecy set to music. David actually organized scribes to be rostered in the temple to transcribe the songs he would sing out spontaneously to God. So many of the Psalms were the result of these spontaneous moments in worship. That's just in the Old Testament. Marie, do you want to tell us about what's in the New Testament?
1: So coming out of the Old Testament, we dive into the New Testament where we see, again, all throughout Scripture, examples of prophetic worship. And we see it in the early church in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, if you guys want to look that up in your own time. But we see references to spiritual songs, which would be translated to songs of the Spirit in the church, singing those together. And then we jump into Revelation, a picture of heaven and what worship looks like in heaven. And we're all around the throne just worshiping, but there's a prophetic proclamation that goes out as the sound of a trumpet. So all throughout the Bible, we see so many examples of prophetic worship through song, through lyrics, through instruments, through musicians, through artists, through sculptures, through dance. There are so many examples. So if you want to go down a rabbit hole, this is a really fun one to go down.
0: Yeah. And just personally as well, going back to the Old Testament, one of my favorite stories of prophetic worship of prophetic musicianship in particular we read in the story of the prophet Elisha and if you want to go check this out second kings chapter 3 it's just an awesome story where Elisha is called before these kings to give a prophetic word and he comes along quite begrudgingly but having come along he says in verse 15 of chapter 3 but now bring me a musician He says, Bring me a musician. And it says, When the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Another translation says, The power of the Lord came upon Elisha as soon as the musician played. It was to eradicate, you know, this very tense moment where the kings were about to go into battle. And in order to silence the sound of war and stress and discord and fear, Elisha asked for a musician to come and to set an atmosphere where the word of God could come and be given out and give direction. So one of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible when it comes to worship, when it comes to musicianship and the importance of the prophetic engaging with worship and musicianship. So having said that, let's talk about our story in particular. And so I'm going to share a bit of my journey in this arena, and then Marie, you can uh, share with us your side of things as well. So I'm sitting here sharing on prophetic worship, and it's kind of mind-blowing to me, really. This is not something that I really anticipated or perhaps knowingly operated in my entire life. And I'll be honest, on the one hand, this feels kind of like all new to me, and on the other hand, it feels like something that's been unlocked that has been sitting there the whole time when it comes to prophetic worship and prophetic musicianship, what really shaped me has been my quiet place, my secret place with God. Growing up, particularly as a teenager, music was the way that I connected to God and the place where I processed with God. You know, I actually grew up in a small country town on the border of Wales and England. And when I say small, I mean there's more people who attend Numa than who lived in this town. So there was countless hours of my teenage years were spent sitting alone in an empty chapel playing away at the keyboard and i would just process whatever i was going through whatever i was feeling was the way i would process with god i would play out so if i was feeling anxious if i was feeling angry if i was uh you know feeling joyful that's what i would play out on my instrument and how i would commune and communicate with God. And it wasn't really until the last 12, 18 months or so that I realized that all those hours and years of playing to no one but God was Him preparing me for where I find myself today. And so that's kind of my story of how I've grown in and understood this whole area of prophetic worship, prophetic musicianship. Marie, what about yourself?
1: Mine is pretty similar. I grew up in a very conservative church that was very dry and it was very much like, don't raise your hands in worship because it's too weird and it's too spiritual and it freaks people out. And it did weird me out. And my mom would be the only one. You guys can't see me, but she'd have like a hand lifted and I would be like, mom, like put your hand down. That's embarrassing. Like no one else has their hands up. And so yeah, if you want to talk about prophetic worship or a spontaneous song, like no way was that ever happening But I think like you said, Joel, those times in the secret place where it's just you and it's just God and you'd be singing or you'd be playing and these songs come up and out and then, you know, they're not amazing songs. They're just stuff that's from your heart that flows out, whatever's happening in that moment. Those have really shaped me for what we get to do today and what we get to grow in and develop in today. And I think, would you agree with me that it's all these times in the secret place that have really shaped that? And it's not the times of being on stage or being on an awesome like conference set or whatever it is that has shaped those prophetic giftings or growing in this, but it's just simply the time in the secret place with God and developing intimacy with Him that has definitely grown it and shaped it more than anything else.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we can't, uh, you know, lead where we haven't been ourselves. So this is not something that you can just switch on, right, Uh, at any given moment and, like, you find yourself in a worship set and all of a sudden there's some free space. And we'll talk in a second about what it is and what it isn't. But I think we, yeah, really need to emphasize that point that this is not something that you can learn on the job, as it were. I'm doing those bunny rabbit ears with my fingers, which is really useful for a podcast. But... It's not something that you can just turn on and show up and, you know, suddenly find yourself being able to operate. It's something that needs to be cultivated in the secret place, in the quiet place, alone with God. So having said all that, let's talk about what prophetic worship is and maybe we'll start with what it is not to begin with. Marie, do you want to kick us off there?
1: Yeah, awesome. So I used to think that prophetic worship was those long, spacey moments in a song before you go back into the bridge. And when you're first learning about prophetic worship, where do you go to, to like see the videos about it? Bethel always, right? And so I would watch their videos and like, okay, this is how they do it. Oh, there's the bit, there's the prophetic worship bit. And while yes, that's true, that's not a formula for prophetic worship, if that makes sense. And so in my early days, and I still feel like I'm in the early days, but my very early days learning about this, I tried to put a formula to what I thought was prophetic worship. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to draw out the end here and just wait and then see what comes up. And sing something and then go back into a bridge every time. And that's awesome, powerful, prophetic worship. But in learning and growing, that's not actually what it is. So then I'm thinking, okay, is it these moments where we're singing in the spirit and just anything could happen and it's big, it builds up, it's big instrumentals. But learning that's not actually necessarily prophetic worship either. Or is it just you're so free in worship and things just get weird for weirdness sake. And because it feels weird and uncomfortable, then that has to be prophetic worship. And I've learned that's not it either. So do you want to kick us off with what it is?
0: Sure. I mean, simply put, prophetic worship for me is anything that has the breath of the Spirit of God on it. It's the pneuma, right? Pneuma means spirit, means breath. And so it's not just a spontaneous song. Prophetic worship is actually, you know, playing the right song at the right moment. You know, you can plan prophetic worship sets. So even the songs that you choose for your set, regardless if you have heaps of space, so no matter what your run sheet looks like or your service flow and how much space you're given, you can still have a prophetic worship set just based on the songs that you choose because you are putting words in people's mouths in order for them to declare. And so you can set the prophetic atmosphere just based on the songs that you choose. It's also playing the right chords at the right moments. That's always a good thing, but that can be prophetic as well keeping your antenna up in the room, your spiritual antenna, and sensing when to go right and when to go left. And one of the practices that we've done at NUMA is we always debrief after our services with the worship team. And we always ask the question, what did you sense God was doing in the service? And the reason that we do that as a habit after our services is because we want it to become a habit that we always ask ourselves, even during the worship sets as well, that we train ourselves to be always, okay, what is God doing in this moment? What is the Holy Spirit wanting to communicate in this moment? And then that can be our guide. He can be our guide throughout the set as well. And so we tune our spirits into what the Holy Spirit is doing at any given moment. Do you have any other thoughts, Marie, on that?
1: Yeah. So simply it's about knowing the heart of God and delivering that. And I think it's so important to always remember that the prophetic is rooted and delivered in love every single time. And if it's not that, then any worship set, any spontaneous moment, any low instrumental, even no matter how beautiful it may sound in the natural, if it's lacking love and doesn't have that, it's compared to a crashing gong and clanging cymbal and it's rendered useless and ineffective. God can't move through that. So it's not necessarily about bringing our heart or our agenda or our set list or our six skills as the main thing, but bringing what we have landed on from hearing God's heart through prayer and intimate time spent with him in our preparation. It always puts it in perspective for me that we as a worship team are given nearly the same amount of time as a preacher to deliver God's heart, either through worship or in the preaching message, whatever it is. So we have a massive responsibility to have the right perspective on what our prep should look like in the week. It's so much more about than just learning the lyrics or learning the charts. Like, God, what is the theme that's on your heart for this weekend? And how do you want me to deliver that to your church? What do you want me to do about that? So one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 45. And it says, my heart spills over with a noble theme. And I love how the message paraphrases it so colorfully, like my heart bursts its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. I pour out in a poem to the king, shaping the river into words. And it makes me ask myself, what am I filling my heart with for this to happen? To what measure am I filling my heart for it to burst open or spill over? And it always, always, always has to come back to intimacy and being aware of the theme that's on God's heart. And delivering that same theme, whether it's through lyric or instrument, sound or artwork or lighting choice at the right time. So while our hearts in worship should always be spilling this beauty and goodness to the king, I can actually think of plenty of times where my own heart has spilled less than that kind of loveliness, which has actually kept the loving and transformative power of the prophetic from being released in the measure that God intends. And so is it okay if I get real and vulnerable here and honest? Sure thing. Cool. Cool. So in this reflection, I have found that my heart plenty of times has spilled insecurity and fear. So in stepping out in this prophetic worship stuff, what if I get it wrong? Or what if this isn't the moment? I'm not going to risk it. And then God can't move through that because of my insecurity and fear that is actually taking up more space in my heart than the goodness and the loveliness and the things of God that he wants to flow out through me. Or unpreparation. We hate to admit that that's like a thing in us, but it is, right? So I don't know the song, or I don't know what was on God's heart for that day well enough to know where to go, or where to lead it, or where the Spirit wants to steer it. So I'm just going to sing it straight through, and cut it, and get through the set, and take a deep breath, and thank God it's done. But again, that doesn't allow Him to release what He needs to release through me, what He wants to release through me. And the last one, selfishness, which is yuck, but... Let's be real. We're human and we have a sinful nature. No condemnation in Christ. He's redeemed it. But bringing a song or a moment that doesn't actually serve the church or love them well. And I have done that more times than I would love to admit because it's such a good song or everyone's singing it right now. But is the spirit of God saying, hey, that's not actually on my heart for your church, for this church at the time. This isn't actually what I'm wanting to release over these people I'm entrusting you with right now. So where have I deterred to doing my own thing instead of what the Lord wants to do? And all of these things, rather than love and encouragement and edification, which is the fruit that the prophetic produces, these things produce fear, timidity, tension within the team, even a lack of trust, a lack of power and a lack of anointing. And all of these things will seriously create a blockage to the flow of what God wants to release and bless his church with
0: yeah so so true and i i want to pick up on that word that you said there about the blockage i think one of the most important things when it comes to prophetic worship and you've kind of touched on it there is what are you allowing in into your life into your heart that is actually then going to overflow in this space Um, we really need to submit our minds to christ in worship One of the best pictures that I've heard in this space is the illustration of being a funnel for Christ. You know, we are supposed to be like a funnel in this space in that a funnel doesn't have to do much. It just stays open and whatever it's under will flow through. So then the question is, what are you putting yourself under? The funnel at the end of the day is just the tool. It's not the end product. So it's not about us. It's not about pointing people to us. We're just there in order to funnel this, what we're hearing from heaven, what we're hearing on the heart of God, and then bringing that down and giving it a chance to get out to our church, to our congregation, to whoever we're ministering to. Its purpose is to get the content from A to B. What's important is what's flowing through it. And, you know, if you've got a funnel that's polluted or dirty or clogged up, then that's going to distort the stuff that's supposed to be flowing through. It's going to destroy it or it's going to pollute it as it flows through. And so that's how we have to, you know, have that David heart of creating me a clean heart and see if there be any wicked way in me so that when we do sit under that flow, when we do sit under that prophetic anointing, what can flow through us is clean and it's pure. And yes, we're all on a journey. Yes, we always get it wrong. Yes, we've got mistakes and God is purifying us day by day. But that should be our aim and our intent that God less of me and more of you allow me to have a big enough funnel that allows your prophetic, word, your heart of encouragement and love and compassion to flow through me because love and compassion is always the gateway to the miraculous happening.
1: Awesome. So what would you say are some of the key things that help us keep that funnel clean?
0: Well, I think in terms of growing in the prophetic and in terms of keeping this clean, we need to grow in the word we need to read prophetic scriptures if you read prophetic scriptures it'll get in your heart and it will spring up in song you mentioned earlier about colossians 3 says in verse 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing harms singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to god so read the word we know that the word of god is purifying And so if you get those prophetic scriptures in your heart, meditate upon them, that's what's going to flow out. Do you have some other pointers for us?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree about knowing the word and having it written on your heart. That's what keeps us clean and pure and filters everything out, all the yuck and the gunk that gets in our hearts. So learn the word. Again, Psalm 45 says, your word is written on my heart like that of a skillful writer. So be filled with the word because that's what breaks chains and changes atmospheres. It's not our feelings toward God that do that or our opinions or our thoughts, but it's his living and active word. And one thing I'm constantly growing in is to learn to discern atmospheres. And I ask the Lord when I hear his voice, Lord, is this something that's coming up in me that I need to deal with? Or is this something that's coming at me right now? Or is this something that God is revealing to me? And what does he want me to do with it? So while all of these are hearing the voice of God, it's recognizing what's actually the prophetic one that he wants to release over people because they all can have very different outcomes, And many times I've actually released something prophetic or what I thought was prophetic over someone or over the church that was actually just meant for me. And God was like, hey, that's something I was bringing up in you that I want to work through with you first and maybe not release it over people at all because it's for me and you or maybe release it over them. But now's not the time. And I didn't have the maturity then or the discernment to know or recognize like, okay, is this for people to receive right now or is it something for later? And so that's something that, again, we grow in in the secret place. And what you said about being open actually really stood out to me because the spiritual realm is a very open place. And so learning to walk with our eyes and our ears open at all times and not just we get on stage on a Sunday is really important because I've found that once we get to Sunday, you've got people from all different walks of life coming in, they're bringing things in, they're leaking things out, including us and our team as well and everyone that we're on. And so it's so important again, going back to the secret place cause that's where it always starts and finishes is that we learn to discern, okay, God, what are you doing in my heart first? What are you doing in the room of my heart Reveal that to me and I'll learn what to do with it. And then, Lord, what are you doing in my home, in my family's home? What are you doing in this atmosphere? What do you wanna do about it? How do you wanna partner with me to release whatever it is you wanna release in my home? And now what are you doing in my life group? So we practice and grow and develop in these smaller spaces. So once we get to a Sunday, it's not as cluttered and it's not as confusing with God. Oh, what do you want to do here? I know you want to bring freedom or I know you want to bring breakthrough, but in what way specifically or from what specifically? So it always comes back to intimacy in that secret place and living prophetically and not just when we're rostered on.
0: Yeah, that's so important. And I think that's a good point to end on in all of this is that in order to lead prophetically, you have to live prophetically. Like you said, and we've mentioned a couple of times already, it's not just something you can turn on once you're on stage. Change the way that you prepare for a Sunday. Yes, obviously learn the songs and do all that practical thing, but as Brother Lawrence once wrote about, practice the presence of God. He mentioned in that pamphlet that he wrote all those centuries ago, we ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. And so don't just limit your prophetic gift to when you play or when you sing. Practice the prophetic. Encouragement is the simplest form of prophecy. So you can, if you don't know where to start, just start there. Just start by encouraging people, building people up. Because that's what prophecy is all about. And let everything that we do just be washed and lavished in love. And that's what will minister the heart of God to those who were called to serve. Well, we'll wrap up our discussion there. hope that it's been helpful to you. hope that you've learned some stuff and you've got some good questions to ask even coming out of it. Hopefully it encourages you on your journey in prophetic worship. Again, let us know if you've got any questions or comments, topics you'd like us to discuss on future episodes. Drop us a like, drop us a comment, share it around to those who you think might find this helpful and encouraging. But thanks again for joining us on the NUMA Worship Podcast and we'll see you at the next episode.